That's right. We are The Morning Beat, and we're so glad you're here with us. We have a fantastic show. Um, we're going to be joined by Dr. Amesh Adalja. Are we close to turning things around in this pandemic? Uh, is COVID on the verge of becoming endemic? Uh, and is it something that we can just start to live with? Uh, major, major changes in the fight against COVID. Omicron has been very, very scary, but we see it peaking in, in different places around the world. Uh, could this be the last peak in a series of surges that have just left this entire planet just ugh, on the edge I of our sure seats? I sure hope so. I'm over it. We're almost over two it. years in and I'm ready to move on. Um, but first, uh, Michaela, how are you? I'm doing good, honey. I feel like I'm still actually in the pandemic. I got COVID in December, December like 19th. Which is also way to avoid it for that long. Thank you so much. I, there was a point where I thought you might be patient zero. I was like, she might have been the start of this whole thing. I, I don't know, really know. I know. You're pretty wild. But then I, I honestly felt so much fatigue. Mm long after I had it. Yeah. So I've been really taking this time to listen to my body, really let myself relax. I have a very busy year. So I've just been staying home. I've never stayed home and binge watch TV. Like it's not a thing for me. <clears throat> I've always stayed very busy. So I've been binge watching TV. I'm upset. I watched Euphoria yesterday. I now I understand listen, I'm 17 listen, years I can't behind do everybody. Do this with you every day, Michaela. <laughs> yesterday she comes in all hot. Oh my God, selling Sunset. I'm oh like, my girl, God. it's on season four. Honey, <laughs> I just sat at home. I watched Euphoria. I finished selling Sunset. Now this couldn't be my everyday life, but there's something to be said about truly leaning in to relaxing, a good binge, and letting your body just sit on the couch and. The shows are really fascinating. Like Euphoria was very much my high school as well. Yeah. Where I grew up. And I, because I also went to Catholic high school mm. and they had the money to do the drugs. Like they had the money to oh, do that wow. stuff. See, I grew up like Leave It to Beaver. No. Like I was so oblivious to everything in Ohio. Yeah, no. It was wild when I went to high school. And to watch how they're sort of. Taking their power back, like when Kat goes into the principal's office and she's like, uh, when she gets caught for the video going viral of her having sex and he, the the principal tries to give her detention or expel her. And she's like, are you body shaming and sex shaming me because you have no proof that that was me? And like- Oh, you're talking about Barbie. Uh, Barbie Is it Barbie Ferreira? What is her name? Yeah. I believe. In yeah. real life? Yeah. Yeah. She like- I was supposed to host a red carpet with her, and she ended up booking something last minute. I never got to work with her. She's fantastic. Well, though. the characters in all of the mm -hmm. in all of Euphoria, just the way that they're like taking their power back and and watching them navigate this, it's so interesting to me. Uh, Zendaya is incredible. Well, welcome to 2019. Michaela. I know. Listen, I'm always a few. Listen, I whenever too, it came out, I was too poor to wear Juicy Couture sweats and Uggs when they came out. I wore Fugs, and the girls made fun of me because I got them at Payless. So. Like five years ago, I finally, for like my 16-year-old self, bought a Juicy Couture sweatsuit and Uggs. I looked like the mom out of Mean Girls. Oh, like yeah. I was so backdated. And you still wear the Uggs. But I, yeah, I, I do. I see them all the time. I was too poor to have them then, <laughs> and I'm going to wear them now, baby. And look dated AF while doing it. Well, I am so glad you finally caught up with the beginning of 2020. Thank you. So How are welcome. you feeling? Uh, I feel great. I feel great. Um, I'm going to be in a music video tomorrow. I mean, no big deal. Like, whatever. No big I'm deal. shooting a music video with my fiance and Laura Morano. We've had her on our show, and I'm really kind of Amazing. excited about it. But also, I hear there's a choreographer, so I'm really also nervous. Oh, my God. Do you want me to teach you my move? <laughs> the one? 
I already know it. I did it the other day for you. <laughs> well, I, you could teach me about uh, what's going on in the world. It's time for news on the beat. You want to do that? You got it, babe. Sounds just as fun. You got it. A new study has found some of the strongest evidence to date that people with older brothers are more likely to be gay, providing some of the best evidence to date, supporting the fraternal birth order effect, hmm. and also finding evidence of it for both lesbians and gay men. The FBOE has been documented in the, in the literature for decades, but the Australian researchers said that previous studies have been small or have had meth- method... Methodology, probably? Yes, thank you, God. Okay. Problems. So they looked at data from over 9 million people. Okay, I just got to say, this is how well I know Michaela, just by her saying a part. I'm not looking at the story. I have no idea what the word is, but I know her, and I know the look in her eye, and I'm like, I get it. I Probably methodology. Yes, it was. It was perfect. (laughs) People in the Netherlands have found that the more older brothers a person has, the more likely they are to enter a same-sex domestic partnership. Men with an older brother were 12% more likely to have registered a relationship with a man compared to men with an older sister. Uh, A man with three older brothers was found to be 41% more likely to do so than a man with three older sisters. That's so interesting to me. I will say I have three older cousins that were like my older brothers. We were all raised together. And if lesbian was a choice, it is because they were so mean to me. Like, they were like Italian boys. I remember they tried to teach me how to skate, and they pushed me down a hill in my skates. Mm. And the only way that I could stop myself was to throw myself on the ground. I was like seven. But I was like, ugh, I never want to be with people like you. Lisa, come get me. I've thought about that before, actually, because I... When I grew up, like the uncles in my family, my dad, my older brother, I wasn't really about that life. Totally. And I held women on such a pedestal. Uh, And so I think, and I'm glad you said it's a choice because I think that part of the conversation that we miss oftentimes is what if it is a choice for some people? What if it is a social thing? Like I feel like some people are like, well, the only way we can accept it is if we can prove that you're born that way. What if we're not? Yeah. What if we choose it? That yeah. should also be equally okay. Yeah, a thousand percent. I don't know percent. that I did. I, I I feel like I was born this way, but who knows? I mean, I feel like for me, I just wanted to fall in love who I wanted to fall in love with, and sure. it was Lisa, mm-hmm. and I had no choice. That's real. But, you know, you never know. They're, we're having bigger conversations than we've ever had, but that's definitely interesting, the older brother theory. All right, let's do weather. A high of 70 in Phoenix, 43 in Seattle, 57 in Atlanta, 45 in Baltimore, 28 in Cleveland, 27 in St. Louis, 77 in La Quinta and 77 in Cathedral City. Now give us a vibe of the day. Small steps in the right direction can turn out to be the biggest steps of your life. Love that vibe. All right, we've talked a lot about air tags and how creepers have been using them, but they're being uh, used again to expose a moving company. We'll talk about it coming up next. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Okay, so I'm such, I'm of two different mindsets oftentimes when it comes to things like technology. Mm-hmm. All right. On one hand, I love it. It's great. It makes our lives easier. Some things are better than others. Uh, then on the other hand, I'm like, I miss the simplicity of life. When we didn't, when we weren't able to track each other all day, every day, right? Uh, we didn't carry, you know, they don't have to put chips in us because we carry phones with us everywhere we go. You ever want to know where I am? You're going to know just by tracking my phone, right? But a few months ago, uh, I thought I would do something sweet and thoughtful, and I would get these little Air Tags from Apple. I love all things Apple, right? My MacBook, my phone, like all of it. 
And my fiance loves gadgets too, so I got air tags and I had them. You can even have them engraved, which is like such a selling point. It's like free engraving. So I got some for him and for me. For car keys, we each have our own set, so mm-hmm. we each have one on there, and I, my initials are on mine. And then I got a couple for us to put in our backpacks, because sometimes I would lose my bag. Oh, here's mine. It says AJG. Even has a nice little leather carrying case. It's really cute. So I always know where my keys are, okay. right? So thought it was great. Well, then we start hearing all these stories of them being used to track women. So this is crazy. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's interesting how we can have two totally dis- different perspectives as men and women. Yeah. When you hear AirTag, you're like, oh, I got to get that for me and my partner. That's a great way to find keys. When I hear AirTag, it's Lisa texting me, hey, I need you to check your car and surroundings before you get into it because there's a new story that men are putting AirTags in women's cars and purses. Mm. And it's, for me, a really scary thing because I know a lot of women that have been sexually assaulted without air tags. And so with everything, there's a good and a bad when it comes to them. I mean, I have my share location with Lisa on at all times. And if you don't have a partner, I recommend having somebody that you have your shared location with on yes. at all times. Or if you're getting in an Uber or a Lyft, you let somebody know, hey, yeah, this you is can where I share am, your this ride. is where I'm going. Yeah. Totally. Um, but in this particular story, it ended up being something very beneficial. Well, yeah. Well, this woman, she and her family were moving cross country from like, I think Colorado or something like that or somewhere to New York. Right? Right? Okay. So they were somewhere on the West Coast is where they started. They can't remember where they were. I don't think it really, really matters. But they were moving to New York uh, from, yeah, from Fort Car- Carson, Colorado. And while they were packing... Uh, there was an air tag that was part of like a toy. She had it with her. She threw it in with her son's toys in the box of toys, right? And thank God she did because the d- the date that everything was supposed to arrive at their new home in New York City came and went. And she's like, "Okay, where's our stuff? Yeah, all of our all of our, our entire home has been packed up into this this moving truck, and nothing's here." So she gets out her iPhone uh, and she swipes up on Find My iPhone to check to checks the location of the air tag. Turns out it's four hours away in Pennsylvania. She's like, okay, well, they're close. So she reaches out to the company, gets a hold of the driver, and the driver immediately hung up on her. And she's like, wait, what? Mm-mm. Then eventually calls back and says, hey, um, I'm nowhere near you. I'm across the country. Can't get to you on time. I know I'm late. It's going to be a few more days. She's like, you're four hours away. I can see you on my iPhone. <gasps> Imagine being caught in that lie. Right. And then he's like, uh, 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 sort of backtracks and says, uh, I can make it to you in a couple of days. She's like, no, you're already past due. I need you Come here now. tomorrow. Like, get, get here. I need to unload my house. Yeah. I'm paying you. And they get paid. The longer they've got the stuff, the more they well, get paid. Well, that's the point. Yes. It's crazy because when Lisa and I moved a couple months ago, we ordered a bunch of stuff and everything said it would take three to four months. You just can't get like Especially couches, furniture, nothing. Beds, yeah. nothing. Thank God for Facebook Marketplace. We were able to get a lot of furniture because when you move, you want to be comfortable and it's difficult to not have a bed, to not have a couch. Imagine having a four-year-old mm-hmm. and children and you don't have your the furniture that you need. In this case, I think the AirTag was a great thing. But imagine how many people have delays on their packages right now with people like this guy who are four hours away saying, I'll get it to you in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the m- morale in that? The morale? Yeah. Morality? 
Morality. Morale is like your Where's spirits moral are high. Compass? There it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Between me and Vanessa, this show is going to be insane. Well, but Vanessa speaks two languages, Michaela. Oh, yeah. That's why she gets confused. I know. I just get confused because <laughs> I'm, I'm 6 a.m. Because you're amazing. The Morning Beat, Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for our first round of What's Poppin' for the Day. Do you want to remind you that in our next hour, uh, we're talking about students that identify as cats. You'll never guess what they requested in their school and how uh, how that the response they got is just iconic. Yes. Very, very important conversation. Now, we know yeah, we're on the verge of World War Three. We get it. But we're in a global pandemic, but is... these students are identifying as cats. Honestly, we're going to tell you about them in our next hour. I love this story. <laughs> right now, it's time for What's Poppin'. What do you have? Okay, well, it's like I'm back in the pandemic. I've been binge-watching TV shows Girl, we are, okay, also we are in 2018. In pandemic. I'm like April 2020 <laughs> pandemic vibes right now. Got it, yeah, yeah. And I binge-watched Selling Sunset all four seasons this weekend. I get the hype. I'm on board. I get it. Christina's a devil. Chrishella's a saint. She should have won Dancing with the Stars. Like, I'm all in. Agreed. And now, I will be binge watching more because they just got picked up for season six and season seven. Season five is set to premiere, and it looks like the whole cast is coming back, and I couldn't be more excited. I think in season five, it'll dive into Chriselle and her boss Jason's relationship. Also, if you watch the show, Christine and Emma are frenemies. It dives into the boyfriend that they shared at the same time at one point. But Was he a boyfriend? Show- Was he a fiance? Nobody knows. So many questions, so few answers. I'll tell you what, though. If you haven't started watching it, I really suggest that you do. It's not like Smut TV because what I really like about this show too is that unlike the Housewives franchise for the most part these women really start to get along and support each other and it's so cute how they're all in the same business and could easily be jealous of each other when one sells a bigger house or makes more money and they're not they're so proud of well, each other I think other. what's most relatable is how they wear Gucci and Versace couture to work every single day I mean everybody obviously. can afford a $10,000 outfit on a Tuesday afternoon obviously <laughs> but it's kind of iconic kind of aspirational dress yeah. up like gorgeous and it's 9am walking into the office meanwhile I have the same shirt on that I've had on for five days and sweatpants so maybe I'll come listen I do love the show. The show's very white, very cis, very straight. Having said all of that, I think somehow it still works. Like they still found a lane as like a queer advocate. I'm like, I don't care. I love you all. See, I would totally agree and I wouldn't like it. But as a woman, watching these women mm-hmm. genuinely empower each other, because we don't, as women, we don't have that visibility. Like women do not get along. They're supposed to fight. They're pitted against each other. They're not that smart. I just need one of them to come out. Or the other Oppenheim brother. Amanda. I would live. If Amanda came out, I would bet that she that she she's maybe dabbled. She's, she's dabbled. Hot. She's dabbled. She's my favorite. She's the most relatable. Should I learn how to sell houses so that I could be on the show? Yeah, that's that's the career pivot. Sorry, Brian. I uh, as you prepare your album right now, let's just become a real estate agent. Album's out. Do you know how many people agent. I know have become real estate agents the last couple of years? Every single person Everyone. I've ever met in my life. Everyone. Also, it's a trend. It's a joke, but it's true that every bottle service girl turns into a um, yeah a real estate agent. Well, because you, you got to think about it. Bottle service is a table. It's real estate. You're selling it. It's the same thing. Yeah, just nicer. You can sell a gray goose With, for five thousand dollars. You yeah. can sell a house. Yeah. B morning B Channel Q. Listen, high school can be a tricky time. 
Uh, and I know we both went through our own experiences during our teenage years. And uh, so we can relate to a lot. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes things are just so out there that we have no idea what to make of it. And that is the story that we're sharing with you in about 13 minutes from right now. As students in one high school are now identifying as cats and requesting litter boxes in their high school bathrooms. Give them, give it, give it to we, them. Should we just support them? Give it to them. Is it okay that they self-identify as cats or can we drag them? First of all, cats well, have such a bad reputation. They do, they do. People don't like them. Yep. And also, the reboot of Cats, the musical... Didn't go so well. Did not go so didn't, well. It really didn't. So, um, we're having that conversation coming up in just a little bit. If you identify as a cat, uh, we're going to share our thoughts on you. This one's for you. Coming up in just a bit. Right now, though, it's time for News on the Beat. What do you have for us? All right, a lesbian who's suing the West Virginia Air National Guard for discrimination says she was urged to grow her hair longer, use makeup, and generally appear more feminine if she wanted her career to advance. This is about what they think a lesbian female should look like. Sergeant Kristen Kingry recently told the Daily Beast, It leaves me in such disbelief. They have made this my life. Whenever I discuss it, I am at a loss for words. It was a completely unacceptable comment and a completely unacceptable situation. I am fighting this case not just because what happened to me was blatantly wrong, but most importantly, I truly hope positive change comes from my case and it prevents another individual having to walk this path because it is a very long and dark path to walk. Kingry, represented by Charleston, uh, Virginia attorney Mike Kissam, filed her suit in federal court in West Virginia in November and has been giving interviews about it this month. She's been a member of the Guard for 14 years as both a military and civilian employee. She was a full-time member on the military side for nine and a half years, beginning in 2007 and was deployed to Iraq in 2009. What's so insane to me is that this woman, lesbian or not, this woman is standing there with her brothers, fighting the same fight, doing the same training, and is expected to still pretty herself uh, before she goes out to shoot somebody. Like, what? That's insane to me. That is so unbelievable. But it goes back to even like the 50s, where women were expected to not only clean the home, birth the children, cook, clean, but also do it while their hair was rolled and their face was beat. Like, just the expectations that have been put on women that are still put on today. Uh, Women are so much better than men. I just, I'm sorry. Like, we give birth. We literally have children. And I love men. I'm not a man hater, but I just hate these stories. (laughs) You know, it came out really aggressive to our men. I love you, honey. I mean, we, wow, wow, wow. I mean, we are needed for something. I mean, no, we, we make half no, the kid. No, you are. You I mean, are. I don't make half the kid. No. Me specifically. I've been trying my whole life and to no avail, but. No, I, I <laughs> love men. I really, really do. I just, that story I is hate so upsetting to Listen, me. I, I, like, imagine a world where you're like, honey, can you put some lip gloss on before you do Mortal Kombat on Iraq? Like, what? Yeah, I think it's called being a gay man in West Hollywood. Yeah, We also, (laughs) in our little bubble here, I feel like gay men put the same pressure on themselves. Like, women have to do this stuff because of society. Why do we do this to ourselves? Let's let everybody just be. Yeah. Just do what we want to do. It's crazy. Or don't do what we don't want to do. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. All right, let's get into a little weather. It's going to be a high of 77 in Cathedral City, 64 in Sacramento, 28 in Cleveland, 12 in Chicago. Oh, no. 45 in Baltimore. <laughs> not, oh, no. Not 12. 12. Hey, not 12. Who's she? Who is that? 55 in San Francisco, 73 in Miami, and 75 in Palm Springs. 
Now please give us a vibe of the day. Small steps in the right direction can turn out to be the biggest steps of your life. Meow. If you're wondering why we're meowing, we have a really great story for you about cats in the school system. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. So sometimes conversations about, you know, gender expression or sexual orientation can be complicated. We understand that as a queer community, uh, it takes those outside of our community some time to kind of catch up with who we are, how we self-identify, how we live our lives, because sometimes it takes our own community time to accept others, right? If you're a gay man, you might not have a lot of lesbian friends. And until you have some lesbian friends, you're not really going to understand the culture and what it means to be, to some degree, what it means to be a lesbian woman. If you're a lesbian woman, you might not understand what it means to be a trans man or a trans woman or whatever the case may be, right? But we try to stay open. However, I might have, I might have found my uh, not necessarily my breaking point, but the point where I'm like, okay, this is quite a bit because now there are students in a school district, uh, who are, uh, saying that they identify as cats. Yeah. Cats like, like pussy cats. They identify. And, uh, yes. They have requested as felines. Mm-hmm, they've okay. requested, um, litter boxes in their restrooms and the superintendent has responded So let's talk about furries. It was addressed by a child uh, a couple months ago that they are put in an environment where there are kids that that identify as a furry, a cat or a dog, whatever. And so yesterday I heard that at least one of our schools in our town has a, in one of the unisex bathrooms, a litter box for the kids that identify as cats. I am really disturbed by that. And I, I will do I am really disturbed. I know what's going on nationwide. I know it is. It's part of the agenda that's being pushed. I don't, I don't even want to understand it. But I think that people need to be aware of it because I am really upset as a parent that my child is put in an environment like that. And, um, you know, I'm all for creativity and imagination. But when someone lives in a fantasy world and expects other people to go along with it, I have a problem with that. So I'm just putting that out there. I will investigate more. Okay, so this is a concerned parent. Uh-huh. Right? Concerned that there are indeed litter boxes in schools for children. Right. In Michigan. Uh-huh. Do we have the audio of the superintendent? Do we have that? Because the superintendent came out and said, I can't even believe I'm addressing this. this Basically, this is obscene and absurd and there's there are no litter boxes. But this is sort of the America that we're living in now. Well, you know, it's this is not a joke. But earlier we were talking about um, and we'll talk about it in depth tomorrow for Red, White and Q, the possibility of us going to war and what that looks like. And um, I made a joke uh, that, you know, Russia has been preparing for war their whole lives. China has prepared for their war their whole lives. And as, you know, the U.S. is sort of getting onto woke culture, like, could you imagine, um, even myself, even myself, but somebody going to war and being like, first of all, I'm non-binary and my pronouns are they, them. And like really having this whole conversation the way that we've been having it when it comes to something as serious as going to war. Well, that's why the military has tried so long to like conformity. Totally. They don't want diversity. Totally. And so that's already been a big conversation. But in all seriousness, 
now you're talking that now we're going to introduce that people may, maybe want to be felines well, and what... have a litter box in restrooms. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we focusing on here? This woman's <laughs> name is Lisa Hansen. She was talking during the public comment portion of the district school board meeting, uh, and she went in there to talk about, her plan was to talk about COVID-19 testing protocols, because those are so, so just controversial for many, many parents, right? But then pivots to this rumor she heard about kids requesting litter boxes in the bathroom, which was never true. It's patently false. Yeah. And once again, the superintendent, the school district, is forced to address the absurdity of morons who believe effing conspiracy theories Yeah. that are not based in any sort of truth. Well, and imagine being a teacher. I think you made this point yesterday. Imagine being a teacher in 2022, and if it's anything like euphoria, it is a lot. But... Having to not make any money, essentially be a second parent to so many kids. and then, Or a first parent because or, a lot of parents just don't do just the don't, job yeah, anymore. Totally. And then having to learn woke culture and TikTok and trying to be PC and allowing freedom, but also having to be like... I'm, Hi, you're not a cat. Like, what? Like, <laughs> Wait, what? say that sentence again. Hi, you're not a cat. <laughs> I mean, it's just. I insane. mean, maybe to a five year old, yeah. but like, are we really thinking? And and for him, you go to school all those years to be a teacher, and you're making announcements saying we're not putting litter boxes in the restrooms of these middle schools. Like these are the things we're addressing. Yeah, it's it's really. I know it's a. It seems like a funny story, but it really breaks my heart how far our culture and society has fallen that these are the sorts of things because think about this think about this this is really what the what the story actually is about is is self-expression and this parent heard a story that was going so viral in the community social media circles right about somebody identify as something because let's let's be super crystal clear about what this actually is many conservatives since the beginning of time have made the case that if we allow same-sex marriage, if we allow people to be gay, lesbian, trans, whatever, as if it's something to allow. But if they allow that, it's a slippery slope. What's next? Bestiality? We're going to have sex with animals? Right. And that's what this is suggesting right. Suggesting right here. That's the undertone of what the story actually is to me. And it's so freaking offensive to think that, oh, this is what you're going to take to the school board, lady? This is what you think the agenda is. Yeah. They've been trying to reveal whatever the agenda is for decades now, and this is what you think it is. Yeah. Maybe just love and acceptance is the agenda, woman. And I think also that, like, kids that are identifying as they, them, like, it's very difficult. And to say that kids now are identifying as a cat as if that's some sort of as crazy comparison to think of. Like, we know you also have an sure, agenda. Yeah, like, I, yeah. you also have an you agenda. You very much have an agenda. Yeah. It's stifling creativity and, and expression. I think I identified as a cat for a while. I okay, used to wear I'm my mom. I listen, I used to put my mom's little boots on and put a belt on and take her robe, uh, her waistband from her robe and tie it into my belt and do choreography with my little sister to. Of course, cats from Broadway. Not, so you were a pussy cat doll. No, I was. I was. I was a Jellico cat. Oh, a Jellico cat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was Rum Tum Tugger. Well, Vanessa, do me a favor. Go on Amazon right now. If you get two litter boxes mm-hmm. delivered by Friday, we can't share one. We'll get this. No, that's too far. I'm not going to share that is a litter box You're with right. you. We each get one. Mm-hmm. The morning beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. Listen, Lil Nas X said it right there. 
I just want somebody to love. It's all I really want. That's all. Everyone just needs a little love, honey. So we're having a conversation right now that's kind of kind of building on the conversation we had just moments ago. Uh, we want to clarify some things because in a recent in our in our past segment, this woman in Michigan spoke at a school board meeting, saying that she's hearing these rumors that uh, children are furries now at their school system, and yes. she thinks it's part of the queer agenda, right? But she also in stating that said that furry means that you identify as a cat or a dog. We want to be very clear on this. Furry and identifying as a cat or a dog are in no way, shape, or form the same thing. No. So here to talk us through this uh, is an expert on the topic, uh, Dr. Stephanie Gorlick, sex and relationships-focused, uh, kink-affirming therapist, award-winning author of The Leather Couch Clinical Practice with Kinky Clients. I'm into it. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Stephanie, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm I'm good. Good. Listen, I, I, the furry thing doesn't really necessarily do it for me, but that doesn't mean I judge it either. And I want to clarify, there is a difference. Yeah, because I think when you think of furries, you think of just grown men or women in onesies just running around. But they want to be taken more seriously, and the community is fighting back. So, can you talk to us about furries? So, I think it's really important first to understand that being a furry is not necessarily a sexual thing for all members of this community. There is a strong element of role play and enjoyment of certain content in anime and animation, and it is a celebration of a shared culture. For some people within that community, it also has a sexual component. But the idea that being a furry is itself a, a kink or a fetish is actually a very common myth. So, so what? So that, that's really fascinating to me because. So, is it just so I understand? Because I don't fully understand to be honest. Is is there an element of like? Is it similar to like cosplay? Like some people like to dress up like Renaissance characters, or some people like to dress up like the, the like the LARP at live action role play. Is it? Are, are these? Are these communities similar in any way, or am I missing the point completely? No, I actually think that's a really good comparison, the idea of furry as a form of cosplay or as LARPing. Um, Usually when we think about cosplay, we're thinking about people dressing up as existing characters, right? Like, I love Wonder Woman, so I'm going to cosplay as Wonder Woman. Um, But in LARPing and also in the furry community, very rarely are they dressing up as an existing character. Usually what they're doing is developing a new persona that speaks to them, that makes them feel more confident or more excited. It is um, an artistic expression of their own internal personality, not so much dressing up as an external existing character. I feel like we're. I feel like it's similar to like Pokemon Go. To be honest, I just you go out there and you you find your people, and it's really easy. How do you find this community if you're interested in in learning about it? So there are uh, several furry conventions all around the country. Uh, there's Furry Con, one of the largest sort of hacker conferences in the country. Descon actually has a a furry contingent that hangs out there and they have a 
furry village at DEFCON. Uh, the Deviant Art website, which has a lot of um, independent artists um, creating content for the furry community, is a place where people meet and form friendships as well. And then there are websites and message boards and Facebook groups and places where people share their persona and, and build friendship and community around their, their sort of passion for this um, anthropomorphic role play. Well, listen, I feel like the furry community might actually be ahead of the game here. It sounds like we're all going to be living in the metaverse someday anyway, so yeah. we're going to have to create avatars. I'm on furrymate.com right now, and this is fascinating stuff. Well, it's also crazy that you talk about these conventions because not everyone's approving of it. Just two weeks ago, a guest at a Hyatt hotel in suburban Chicago noticed this strange smell coming from the ninth floor, and it turns out somebody wasn't so pleased with the 15th annual Midwest Fur Fest and tried to um, put chlorine in the stairwell. The police came, they cleared it out, and they were able to go back in. But uh, although there's a place for people to go, not everybody's so impressed with the furries. So that's one of the things that's really frustrating for me as a kink-affirming therapist. This is a, a subculture and a community that people don't necessarily have to understand or appreciate or want to participate in. But at the end of the day, they are human beings living their best lives, doing something that brings them happiness and joy that helps them form friendship and community. And the idea that anybody would do something to disrupt that or to shame them for having these interests is really off-putting to me. I think that everybody deserves a space to be themselves, whatever themselves might be, including uh, the Midwest Furry Convention. They have a right to hang out together without this happening to them. Okay, Dr. Stephanie Gorlick, I love all of this. And I will say, like, listen, I, I am not the type of person that would ever try to get in the way of anybody living their lives however they see fit. As long as you're not hurting somebody else or harming somebody else, I'm all for it, right? That also doesn't mean that I fully understand it. And as a human being, internally, I'm judging a lot of this. You know what I mean? I think it's cute, but I also think it's a little bit weird. And I think it's, in my mind, it's a lot of the stuff that I think that I was probably taught about kinks and about things like that. So when you're when you're talking to clients that who might be like me, and some of that stuff might be actually more emotions about, maybe it's more about me than it is about anybody else. I'm aware of that, right? But I still think, okay, this is a little bit weird. Let's all, there's a part of me in the back of my mind that's like, all right, grow up. Let's uh -huh. all go, go live in the real world and be real. Although I also retreat into my own world in other ways that are maybe not this. So what do you say to somebody who's kind of like having a hard time wrapping their brain around it uh, or to somebody who might bring a kink to you that's like, listen, I have this thing. I don't know if I am comfortable with it within myself or others. How do you talk through that? So I think the first part is just honoring those feelings. You're allowed to be uncomfortable with something. You are allowed to feel as if something is confusing or weird to you. That is valid, and that's not something that we necessarily have to challenge. We don't have to like all the things. My partner, super into Star Trek. Me, can't stand it. Love your I partner. Love your partner. Love your partner. I can't stand it either, sis. <laughs> so that's what, like... I probably feel about Trek conventions the way some people feel about the furry community. And at the end of the day, that's okay. One of my favorite teachers that I've learned from is actually a rabbi. And one of the things that she says over and over is, I'm not asking if you like it. I'm asking if you understand. 
And I think that's a crucial distinction. I think that we should all be willing to learn enough that we understand the things that we find weird. We don't have to like it. We don't have to share it. We don't have to engage in it. We just need to know enough to let people live and let live. Well, Dr. Stephanie Gorlitz, we appreciate you joining us so much and talking with us, sex and relationships. Well, we'd love to have you back. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, find out why Taylor Swift got so defensive when another singer claimed she doesn't write her own songs. Coming up in What's Poppin'. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. Michaela, what's going on with T-Swift? Okay, this story sort of got even more personal than I thought it was going to after fully reading the article. So Taylor Swift is slamming Gorillaz musician Damon Albarn for claiming in a new interview that she doesn't write her own songs. So Taylor Swift fired back on Twitter to in response to Damon. I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this. I write all of my own songs. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really effed up to try and discredit my writing. Wow. She then finished with, P.S. I wrote this tweet all by myself in case you were wondering. <laughs> but what he was saying was that, first of all, Damon Albarn is 53 years old. So the generation that he grew up in as a musician, as a male musician in sort of the rock world, is very different, a little bit more traditionalist. He said, I don't think that if you co-write your songs that you should be deemed the songwriter. Like, co-writing and writing your songs are two very different things. And he says, call me a traditionalist, but that's how I see it. However, although I can understand where he's coming from, what he did get wrong is that Speak Now, Taylor Swift's first album at 19 years old, was written solely by her. Nobody helped her write that album. So it does discredit her as a songwriter because even if he did, even if you are going to say, okay, that's true, she did write her own music. Well, she started writing them when she was like, 12, 13, 14 years of old. Co- of course. She's a prodigy. She's like, she's really talented. Of course. So I think that while he's trying to make this point, he's not making it because she's known for writing her music at a very young age. Tears on my guitar. Like those songs were written only by Taylor. However, I'm making an album right now and I co-wrote my songs with my producer. And I, I think I feel a type of way not being appreciated as a songwriter because I wrote it with my producer. So I could see how it rubbed her the wrong way and, and I don't really think that's a fair thing to say that you're not a songwriter well, it feels, if you co-write. It feels old school and misogynistic. Totally. And okay, it's one thing to be like, if you look at a Britney Spears album, she's listed as a co-writer on a lot of those songs oftentimes. Eh, maybe Taylor Swift is a little bit more involved in the process than a Britney Spears. But to say that they're exactly the same or that 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 she's not the author of her music because she has some help from somebody. Well, and look, everybody has help. Authors have yes. help. Screenwriters have help. I had a whole publisher. My editor literally went through and like gave me notes on everything I wrote, but I still wrote 70,000 words for my autobiography. Does that mean I didn't, I'm not the author? Totally. I, I think it's really just an old way of thinking. And uh, sounds like jealousy too, a little it bit. It does. Yeah. It really does. And she, she did write. Uh, speak now by herself so stop it all right coming up me and aj both grow up in catholic school we know it very well find out why catholic priests are coming out now coming up in our next hour
The Morning Beat. Channel Q. So, Michaela, three priests were walking to a bar. Go off. Right? Okay, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I grew up on those jokes. We went to Catholic school growing up, uh, and this story is absolutely no joke. Uh, a whole bunch of priests, we're talking over 100 of them, are taking a major stand for LGBTQ plus rights, uh, and we're going to talk about that in about 13 minutes. The story's wild. I saw it yesterday, and it kind of gave me some hope for the Catholic Church. Wow, okay. Because I have not identified as Catholic for a very long time. I don't think you do either. No, um, I don't. But we, 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 were, we, were, we were indoctrinated for many years. Well, and I've told this story a lot. As everyone knows, my grandma Vivian was very Catholic, and she was a Eucharistic minister. She was a catechism teacher, very involved in the Catholic Church. And when my mom came out to her as a lesbian, my family disowned my mom. So when I came out to my grandma, I didn't know how it was going to go. And she, in a very Catholic way, took me to get a crucifix Got it blessed by her priest and gave it to Lisa as to welcome her into the family. Oh, not to press against your forehead and see if it burns. No, got it. God. Okay, sure. And that was a really, really big deal. But that was kind of the last time, besides going to the Catholic Church for her funeral, have I really been involved? Because I was also raised in the Catholic Church, but so many of the things that you know they practice, I don't practice. So yeah, it's beautiful to experience a Catholic mass. Right, but the behind the scenes of it all and the Catholicism of it all is so messed up. I will say though, and you know what I'm talking about. When it was my grandma's funeral, my uh, Lisa was with me, and in the Catholic Church, there's so much kneeling, standing, sitting, kneeling, a whole standing. Routine, it's like you choreography. Know all the prayers, and Lisa was like, "What is going on?" And I was like, <laughs> "Okay," I was like, "Lisa, you don't have to do it." And she's like, "Well, I'm not going to look like an a hole at your grandma's funeral, but like, what? This is a lot." My I remember. Listen, my ex Ryan, you know him. We went to, and he was raised Jehovah's Witness, so it's a whole different thing for Same him. Same was Lisa. Yeah, of course, yeah. And we went to my cousin's uh, very Catholic mass, her wedding, years ago in Oklahoma City. And he was like, what the F is happening? What is all of it's this? so much. I was like, it's a whole thing. And it doesn't matter how long it's been since you've been there, you know the exact routine. The homily on Eagle's Wings, girl. You know the homilies, you do the whole thing, the process. It's the same exact process. It's never changed. Uh-huh. Uh, thank God that we didn't have to grow up in the era of Latin masses. My mom had to go to church in Latin. Oh. The priest oh, would stand with their back to you and speak in a different language. If that's, if that's Ooh, not confusing. Your got hit with rulers. <sighs> well, we're diving in, obviously. We have thoughts about this Catholicism <laughs> story coming up in just a bit. But right now, it's time for news on the beat. Michaela, are we going to war? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know? The United States is discussing the deployment of American military forces to Eastern Europe. With its NATO allies, a senior administration official said Monday as President Joe Biden weighs options for responding to Russian threats against Ukraine. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has placed 8,500 troops on heightened alert to assist with the defense of NATO allies. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said during a news briefing Monday, he said no deployment orders have been given. I want to reinforce that as of now, the decision has been made to put these units on higher alert and higher alert only, said Kirby. No decisions have been made to deploy forces from the United States at this time. With Moscow massing more than 100,000 troops at its neighbor's border and no diplomatic breakthrough in sight, the West is stepping up its response amid mounting fears and invasion could be imminent. Um, you know, we're going to talk about it more in depth for Red, White, and Q, but it really is a scary time. And I don't know if you or Vanessa said it, but if for some reason we went to World War III, like, that might be the end of the world. I mean, so much is going on right now, and, and yeah. it's never felt more apart. Yeah. What, maybe for our generation. I feel like every generation goes through this once or twice, and... 
my parents' generation lived through the space race and, and the Cold War, and then when I was a kid, it was the Persian Gulf and the Middle East, and that was all falling apart, and it's really not gotten a lot better. But this feels like this feels like big boy stuff. Like, well, this feels like a, the real deal. I think, I mean, our pro- our program director came in and said, it always feels like big stuff, but I lived through a lot. But I think that, I, I don't know if we've ever been in a global pandemic... Where everybody's while, on the edge and while having social media and all these media outlets while going to war like yeah. there's things that we've just never seen so things things elevate and, and and pick up pace a lot quicker now than they ever used to totally and they escalate and with the conspiracy theories and with rumors and being said, you put one thing online, it lights up like yeah, a firecracker. Yeah, people are willing to die because they believe that JFK is alive and reincarnated as Donald Trump. Like, all bets are off. Yep. There's no such thing as sanity anymore. And that's yeah. that's the scary part for me. Absolutely. All right, let's get into some weather. 75 in Palm Springs, 61 in Houston, a high of 25 in Kansas City, 72 in Miami, 70 in Phoenix, 57 in Atlanta, and 28 in Buffalo. I just need to say the cutest thing that happened in this year. I was asked to do something by our program director, and I did it. It's not a big deal what I did, but I did it. And literally, Vanessa and AJ both just gave me thumbs up, mm-hmm. silent whooping for me. The support. If you know, you know. Was so cute. We love it here. Okay, give us a vibe. Ladies and gentlemen, Michaela Gordon just did her job. Let's, and let's, I got, let's give it up. Let's give it up. You go, queen. I adore you. You know I adore you. I know. Here's your vibe of the day. Small steps in the right direction can turn out to be the biggest steps of your life. I almost wanted to say that like RuPaul. Try Time to lip sync for your life. Ooh, okay. I love me some Ru. Love me some Ru. All right, coming up, is it good that a group of Catholic priests came out? And what does that mean? Coming up next. The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. You know, we oftentimes sort of dive into the discussion uh, discussion surrounding religion, especially Catholicism, because we were both raised in the Catholic school system, and neither of us identify as such now, right? We see the problems in it, and we've had some really incredible guests on our show over the years. I remember we had the director, a friend of mine, Evgeny Evjanevsky, who directed the film Francesco, mm-hmm. which focuses on the life of Pope Francis and his sort of stance on gay marriage and gay rights and inclusivity in the church, right? And they have not come nearly as far as they need to, but he individually is more supportive of our community than any pope we've ever seen, right? But the church as an organization is still really, really, really behind the times. Totally. But when you talk about representation and visibility, this is why it matters that he is the current pope. Maybe he can't change the doctrine by himself, but a group of 122 people, uh, priests, in Germany, uh, they're, they're former priests, teachers, administrators uh, who all identify as queer and they're part of the Roman Catholic Church in Germany, uh, have now come out of the closet in a group setting saying, listen, the church's outdated statements and their doctrine need to go. This is a big deal. We're talking Germany, a, a country that not that long ago in our grandparents' lifetime was controlled by Nazis, and now they're on the forefront of queerness in the Catholic Church. What are your thoughts on this? I have so many. I went to Catholic school and I was an altar girl and I loved Catholic school. I loved singing the Ave Maria. I I really like enjoyed my time. 
Um, all of the priests were really nice to me. I'm very close with the priest who buried my grandma because that was like her best bud. Um, but I know so many people that have not shared that experience and have oftentimes been sexually abused by their priests. And I know somebody who, uh, a guy who was sexually abused by his priest. And I think that when you're being asked to hide your sexuality and to not in any way be able to express that, whether you're a priest that is gay or straight, because it is such a natural, primal thing to want to explore, feel, be sensual, that you start taking it out in an abusive way. So because priests are stifled to not want to be with men or women, they take it out on these little boys, sometimes yes. little girls. Yes. And I think that, and this is, and I say it very, very clearly, it's not the gay priest. This isn't like gay priests doing this to boys. I'm saying heterosexual and homosexual priests, people, also, these priests were probably abused by their priests. Yeah, I mean, it goes back, back, back. And it's also, it's it's a, it's a system that was created to do exactly what it's doing. Like we've seen with so so many other systems, and and oftentimes, I think the way to get young men into priesthood is to make them feel so dirty and so bad about themselves that it is their only option. They think I'll dedicate my entire life to this greater cause, which will give me the strength I need to deny this entire part of myself, my entire sexuality. Totally. And then it manifests in ways that are indecent and immoral. And then the correlation is made that homosexuality and child pedophilia are the same thing. Totally. And they're not at all. And also, just a way of sex. Like, I swear to God, I did not have sex. No, she's to God. Uh-oh. I swear to God. <laughs> I did not have sex until I was 20 years old. Same. And I, not because, but not because I didn't want to, I was terrified. Yeah, I just want to clarify, it wasn't with each other, we're different ages, yeah, so yeah. It, wasn't the same, it wasn't the same time. We both lost our virginity at the exact same moment. Yes! To each other, no, uh, <laughs> in our Catholic school. <laughs> but I think that I, I wish it was because I was so, you know, had this great moral compass. But I was told I was going to get pregnant the minute I had sex, mm-hmm. and I was told that it was such a sin. Yep. But I'm in therapy because of my beliefs on sex and intimacy from yeah. what I learned in Catholic school. Sure. It was dirty. It was gross. I it thought was I was going to get AIDS and die yeah. and then burn in hell for all eternity. Yeah. And I genuinely believed that. So this is all part of a, of, of a group of a program called Out in Church. Uh, and they've made some demands on the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, first and foremost, we, they say we want to be able to live and work openly as LGBTIQ plus persons in the church without fear. They do their letters a little bit differently over in Germany. They also said that LGBTQ plus persons must have access to all fields of activity and occupation in the church without discrimination. The list goes on and on. Their demands are not they're not crazy. This one really stood out to me. The church must not withhold the blessing of God and access to the sacraments from LGBTQIA plus persons and couples. 
How on earth could a church withhold a blessing from God? If you believe in God, who on earth says the church has the right to withhold that blessing? That's well, insane that's to me. That's always been the problem. Yes. It's I think that in and I'm not even going to drag the Catholic Church for this. I drag all uh religion. The way that they try to have the most power in what God will give you and what God will take away. And like, like they're the gatekeepers. Yeah, mm. yeah. And usually the gatekeepers are the ones that are doing the worst things. Yep. And so it's uh I think it's really great that these priests are coming out because I think it's going to free a lot of people. And I think in doing so, it helps stop child abuse. And so I'm all for it. All right, coming up, Caleb is getting exposed and it's time we cover it. If you don't know the story, honey, I'm about to inform you next. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. You know, Michaela, I think back to our single days fondly sometimes but usually with like fear and disdain that it could ever happen again because i tell you what i can't imagine loving my fiance more than i do and it took years to sort of get to the place where i actually felt this sort of a deep deep love i loved him for a lot of years but the last few years has been different and to think about what it would be like to go into the dating world now all these different apps and social media and ghosting Ghosting is just the scariest thing in the entire world to me. Uh, And and a recent study uh, in 2019 showed that people who date online are more likely to report that they've been ghosted. This survey found that gay and bisexual people were more likely than straight people to experience ghosting. Nearly 43% compared to 28% of our straight counterparts. So there's something going on in our community. Ghosting, by the way, is when you just literally just disappear. Yeah. You think things are going great. Somebody's texting, you're going on dates, and all of a sudden you never hear from them again. Right. Which is why this story is so wild. Who on earth is West Elm Caleb, and why is everybody on the internet talking about him? Okay, this is crazy. Actually, I knew of this story before this segment because Lisa showed me. Lisa's obsessed with TikTok, and she gives me all the best tea. TikTok is a crazy place to be, and the things that they find out is wild. So a woman went on to TikTok, and basically, she's the Asian big sister. So she has a following for being like the big, um, the Asian big sister. So take a listen to the TikTok that she puts out. I get a DM from a Caleb who says he's also very tall and I click on his bio and it says West Elm Furniture Designer and I was like, oh my God, is this him? But I ignore him as queens do. Then I get a girl DM me being like, oh my God, are you talking about the West Elm Caleb? And I'm like, who the hell is he? And can you please explain why there's so many girls commenting about him? So we first confirmed that it is the same Caleb that DM'd me and I'm like, oh my God, why is he everywhere? And she tells me that they've matched on Hinge before and that they were texting intensely for a while and he is like love bombing her even though they've never met up before, like have not gone on a first date. And I'm like, that is the biggest red flag out of all the red flags. So apparently, <laughs> he's a listen, furniture designer at West Elm. First of all, I date him just for that. I'm like, do we get a discount? What's up? Like, love West Elm. West Elm was way overpriced. It totally is. Just give me <laughs> stuff for free. I want to tell you, when girls come together and they are not spending their time fighting with there's each other, there's nothing they can't do. There's it is truly girl power. <laughs> so she says, Caleb was texting these girls. He was on the Hinge dating app, and he was not meeting up with them. 
in person, but he was love bombing them. He was emotionally connecting to these women. He was asking them about their families, their lives. What did they want? And these women started to get emotionally invested and connected to Caleb. And then Caleb would fall off the face of the earth with these women. And enough women went on TikTok and said, oh my God, girls in the New York area, if you come across Caleb, he's a joke. Like, what? don't, girls. And, and over started, 100 million people have seen this. 108 million people, the last number I saw. And it started as just a girl going on TikTok, like, warning her other girls. Like, girls, don't don't waste your time. He's not worth it. And it turned into this massive thing. Caleb had to delete all social media. He had to delete his LinkedIn. They have yet to find Caleb in person. But with 108 million views... I'm I'm surprised they haven't yet. You know what it is? It's like it's TikTok can, has become in some in an instance like this the modern version of like pitchforks and torches of the villagers like marching up to the castle to find the beast. Like yes. they will find you on any like they'll find him. Yep. They'll oh, get they'll this guy him. and they'll post where he is and what he's been up to and where like where he's working now. I can't imagine he still works there. How could he? They might, maybe he's working from home. Maybe they put him at a different location. Changed his name. But is it terrible to like love on people? Um, I was thinking like, is it that bad? I, yeah, I will say that I have been put in a situation where, um, a guy, I think just probably wanted my attention or just wanted to see how far he could get. And it was, he would just text me all the time, like very personal things. And you do start to establish a connection, um, and depending on the vulnerability or where the girl is, we're coming out of a pandemic, like people are just trying to figure it out. This guy deserves to get dragged. I think it's messed up that you act like you're so interested in these right. women and then completely ghost them. I've just never understood that. I've been the type because I think well, I, because we're not sociopaths. Well, yeah. I mean, I sort of I think I kind of got ghosted back in the day once or twice before it was actually ghosting. But I could never wrap my brain around why didn't you want to just have a conversation and let me know it was over? Like I don't I don't get that. Yeah, I know. It's but that's because we're normal. We're yeah, kind to you. And we're not weak. Yeah, we're not weak. <laughs> the morning B channel Q. You're listening to the morning beat. It's time You're for another round of it's time what's, for another round oh of God, Michaela, why do you do this? You're such a weirdo. <laughs> oh, it just makes me laugh. What time is it? It's showtime. It's time for... <laughs> What's poppin'? So do your job. Okay. <laughs> Adele postponed her Las Vegas residency, and uh, everybody was really upset about it. She said it was due to COVID. Half her crew had COVID. Half the deliveries were not able to make it in time. But rumor has it... See what I did there? She apparently threw a fit over a swimming pool stunt... And that's what took her out. I guess what was supposed to be her standing in the middle of water that was, it was uh, standing in the middle of like what was supposed to be a pool that was filled with water as she was standing there would create something that made it look like she was floating on water. But when they tried it out, in her words, she said it looked like a baggy old pond. It was disgusting and she refused to stand in it. So 
Now people are saying, okay, was it not ready in that sense? But I don't think that goes against anything she said in her statement. Like, if the show's not ready, the show's not ready. Well, yeah, and she was saying that it doesn't necessarily need to be one thing or the other. She's saying, we're running out of time. We can't get it done. Right. So part of that is because people are out with COVID. Part of that is because the set is not up to her standards. And if you're going to pay thousands of dollars for tickets... You want to get a great show. Yeah. Although, a thousand percent. Low key, she could walk out there in like a, a, a brown paper sack and just sing with no set whatsoever, and I'd pay. But you know what? I'll say this, and I, I think that you can relate to this even if you're not a singer. Have you ever put together a project that meant so much to you? And if it's not perfect, you don't want to put it out. And and it doesn't need to be perfect, but if you had plans for certain things to be executed and mm. they're not executing, it's not ready. It doesn't well, yeah. feel good. You don't feel confident in it. Well, it's one thing to, you know, not be a perfectionist to the point where it keeps you from moving forward and, and presenting things, right? Right. But in this situation, she better be pretty close to perfect because she's a performer and people are paying to and go see her. And they're paying $5,000 a ticket. It better be pretty she's close. She's saying, I'm not standing in a groggy old pond for my guests who are paying $5,000. Baggy. Baggy old pond. Or boggy. For fi- boggy old pond for $5,000. You know all the Brits talk. What, what is the word she used? She said baggy old pond. I don't think that's right, Michaela. She did. Look in the article. Baggy old pond. What's baggy mean? I don't know. I'm not from the UK. Ba- the Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. You know, tomorrow is going to be a better day. <laughs> You want to know why? Because I'm going to be in a music video, Michaela. I'm so tired. You're not of you. the only celebrity in this room anymore. <laughs> After tomorrow, watch out. My ego is going to be so big, it's not going to be able to fit in the studio. Honey, I know it. I. It's the way you say it, though. It's just so annoying. I can't wait. I can't wait. I. It makes me laugh because it is the same approach for my music videos that I'm doing. I was like, Lisa, do you want to be in my movie? And she's like, shut up. And now I hear it. How you said it. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be in a music video tomorrow. Listen. I'm going to be in a music video tomorrow. There's a choreographer, <laughs> which makes me sweat in places I didn't know I could sweat. It makes me really, really nervous. However... I'm going to be in a music video for a film. This is a big deal, That literally actually. is the number one film in the world on Netflix the last few days, which is crazy. This is a big deal. The Royal Treatment on Netflix, um, starring Laura Marano, my good friend, and Mina Masood, who is Aladdin, by the way. But we're going to be showcased as uh, a couple getting married in her music video, and she's the wedding planner. It's just wild. So I'm really excited about it. I can't ah, wait. That's I, actually a really big listen, deal. I wouldn't do it if it weren't with my fiance because he makes me comfortable in those sorts of scenarios. Because, listen, you know me. I can be. I can do what I do in front of millions of people. I don't care. That's fine. And I've done it. I've hosted red carpets in front of 11, 12 million people before. Yes. Right? That doesn't make me nervous at all. If you look at me and say, act or move on cue, I'm dead in the water. It makes me so uncomfortable. But he'll be there with me, so I, I, I think I'll get I'm so through. excited. I'm going to be in a music video. So after the show tomorrow, I'm going to be a in pop music star. video. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> then, he goes, then I'm going to be on CW. It's a big week for I am going to be on the CW. I am. So I are you, it. though. It's all because of you, though. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Listen, like if it weren't for my friends, I'd never get any gigs. I got this gig because of you. I got CW because of you. I got this other thing because of Laura. Who am I? Nobody, apparently. Well, somebody that has good friends. <sighs> I guess I do have some good friends. <laughs> finally paying off, kids. They're finally paying off. I'm going to be a star. <laughs>
It's time for news on the beat. What do you have? Okay, well, Pfizer and Biotech announced that they have started a clinical trial testing a modified COVID-19 vaccine to protect against the super contagious Omicron variant of the coronavirus. The drug makers said they aim to enroll up to 1,420 healthy adults ages 18 to 55 in the trial, which will evaluate whether the Omicron-specific vaccine is safe and generates a strong immune response. The participants will be divided into three groups, fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated and boosted and unvaccinated, which will determine whether they receive one, two or three doses of the modified vaccine. The companies also said they expect to launch a similar study in the U.S. testing the shot in those older than 55. The CDC released new research Friday that found that a booster shot of the current vaccines provides robust protection against severe illness from the rapidly spreading variant, which accounts for virtually all new cases in the U.S. Okay, another news. A lesbian who's suing the West Virginia Air National Guard for discrimination says she was urged to grow her hair longer, use makeup, and generally appear more feminine if she wanted her career to advance. This is what they think about a lesbian female should look like. Sergeant Kristen Kingry recently told The Beast, it leaves me in such disbelief. They have made this my life. Whenever I discuss it, I'm at a loss for words. It was a completely unacceptable comment, and I completely feel mortified i mean that's awful imagine being like uh hey can you go fight for our country with all of these men oh but before you do put on a bra and do your makeup yeah, really and fast a sensible heel yeah a kitten heel like oh, give me a are, break okay, those are never sensible so i know but be, that's probably yeah. what they want her to i'm more offended about the the kitten heel yeah um it's obscene the the amount of things that women are expected to and honestly anybody who's not like a cis white man Well, like whether you're in the workplace, your hair can't be a certain way, or if you're in the military, you have to dress a certain way and put makeup on, like to go fight. Well, and all jokes aside, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. The pressures, the meaningless pressures women have been put under for so many years. You would never ask a man to make himself look pretty before fighting in a war like talk about not having equality at all but we're talking about generations that expected their women to be beautifully dressed with their makeup done Mm -hmm. the kids were perfectly taken care of food was on the table laundry was completely done your body better bounce back after you have it better and if he wanted it at night you were giving it like but somehow a dad bod is celebrated Totally. Uh, but think about that. Like yeah. women, women are oftentimes like, yeah, like a dad bod. It's uh, yeah. comforting. Yeah. Well, oftentimes you find women, it's more often that you see women with men who aren't really attractive because women like to get to the heart of it. And then you've got these 50-year-olds who are trying to date these 20-year-old mm-hmm. young girls. And it's like, look at the difference. It just says so much. Let's do some other. How do you really feel? I just hissed. You sure did. What does that mean? You just, you're mad? I just hissed. That's your response? <laughs> Sometimes I, I hiss when I get mad at Lisa. <laughs> I know. I've seen it. I've been there. And she, it's so stupid because I'm like a thousand years old. <laughs> but she goes, okay, you little demon. <laughs> you are like a demon sometimes. It's just so stupid, but I never done it on air. <laughs> I feel like you're <laughs> This is the point where I would normally just step in because she's starting to get the giggles. I just want to let her go for a little bit now. I can't believe I did it on air because it was so stupid. And now she's snorting. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, our listeners are really dying to know the weather right now. They're really, really anxiously awaiting to hear the weather in Cathedral City and Milwaukee. So. Well, Palm Springs, you're going to get that weather. It's going to be... Why did I do that? 77 in Palm Springs. Oh, that's a nice, that's like a, that's like a perfect temperature. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's a good one. 61 in Houston, 25 in Kansas City, 55 in San Francisco, 59 in Atlanta, 27 in Buffalo, and a high of 72 in Cathedral Where'd you City. say it was 12 degrees earlier? You read it this morning, like 12 degrees, you go, oof. Ugh, Chicago. That's so cold. Disgusting. Here's your vibe of the day. Small steps in the right direction can turn out to be the biggest steps of your life. Oh, I love that. Get to stepping. Get to stepping. All right, well, coming up, uh, we're joined with Dr. Adalja, uh, who's talking, what really does the endemic mean? Not what you think. I thought we were coming out of it. Turns out we're not. Welcome back to the Morning Beat. It's time for another round of What the Health. We're joined today uh, by an expert on all things Omicron, Dr. Amish Adalja. Thank you so much for joining us again. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, we're, we're hearing a lot about this word endemic. You know, uh, Anthony Fauci has been speaking about it recently. And I think many people think that uh, sort of transitioning out of a pandemic into an endemic phase, uh, Omicron could get us there. A lot of people think that endemic means this thing is ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it actually mean? What endemic means is literally with the people, meaning that this is going to become a respiratory virus that is one of the everyday challenges that we face, just like we face influenza and other common cold-causing viruses, that it loses the ability to really be able to crush hospitals because there's so much immunity and so many tools like monoclonal antibodies and antivirals that kind of shift illness to a mild spectrum. But it also means that there's going to be a baseline number of cases, hospitalizations, and even deaths, probably on the order of influenza or a multitude or a multiplier of the number of deaths that we have from influenza, which can range you know, up to 30,000 or so in a, in a given year. So it doesn't mean that this is over. It just become, means it becomes much more manageable. And with the tools that science has given us, the knowledge that we've gained, we're able to, to risk calculate in a world where there's ever-present COVID-19 and there will be flares and, and there will be uh, epidemics that, that pop up in certain geographic areas, but it's of a different caliber than it had been in the past. Um, I, I was just talking to somebody uh, yesterday who suffers uh, with upper respiratory infections quite regularly, and they said that they were really scared uh, with Omicron, with COVID, with all the variants, because they already have issues. Is there anything that you could recommend for people who want to come out of their homes but already deal with that regularly? Everything is going to really depend upon individual risk tolerance. And the best way to make it easier to tolerate the risk is to be fully vaccinated. And if you're somebody that's really worried and trying to protect yourself from from COVID at all costs, that's where masks could be of of use, rapid tests could be of use. But it's also important, you know, we're going to have more antivirals as we get into into the spring, and that's going to make this a much more treatable infection. So I think for people that are are really worried, there's going to be some answers for them, but there's going to be some risk that they are going to have to assume if they socially interact, just like they do with other respiratory viruses. I think there's sort of a trade-off when you live in a society where there is social interaction, you're going to get respiratory viruses. And we've done a tremendous job, I think, at getting tools into place to make it a more manageable respiratory illness. But the risk is never going to be zero. Well, it has been. And for those individuals, go ahead. Oh, no, go continue your thought. 
and for those individuals who are immunocompromised or at high risk because they have severe asthma or emphysema, they're going to have to take a lot of precautions just like they do during flu season. Yeah, that's a really fantastic point. It's been fascinating to watch how medicine has advanced so quickly. Science and medicine has really, you know, caught up to this thing. And, and hopefully so much good can come out of it in the field of medicine uh, because of this global pandemic. If you're just now joining us, we're do- talking to Dr. Amish Adalja, Senior Scholar, Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Uh, I'm kind of curious to know, is is there a best case scenario for, for transitioning into an endemic? Are there sort of two versions that we could transition into and is one better than the other? The best version would be that we get our numbers of vaccinations up higher, that especially in high-risk individuals, that we get the numbers to a point where we're not really worried so much about anybody getting really severely ill. Or There's still going to be some, but it's not a major issue. That's the best way that we get there is by, by getting high-risk people protected with, with vaccines. The, the worst way is that we kind of continue to see vaccinated people be heavily protected, but we still continue to see hospitals have moderate levels of stress from COVID-19 because there's too many high-risk unvaccinated individuals. So we still see a higher than expected or higher than tolerable death toll. And I think it's important to, to remember that most, that, that most of the deaths that are occurring from COVID-19 for the past several months or, or maybe even almost a year now have been vaccine-preventable deaths. And that's what we have to really think about is the best way to get to endemicity is by having everybody protected so severe disease becomes very rare. But what may happen is we still have severe disease occurring in high-risk individuals, and then we get to endemicity on the other side of that with a lot a lot of deaths that would have been preventable, a lot of hospitalizations that would have been preventable. Well, Dr. Amish, thank you so much for joining us. When I hear endemic, it sounds like the end of the pandemic, and clearly it's not, but there are ways to transition and things we need to know. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Amish Adalja, Senior Scholar, John Hopkins Center for Health Security. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Tell me something good. You know, Michaela, something great happened this week. You know, I know it's called Tell Me Something Good. Every now and then, something great does, in fact, happen. Tell me, honey. Happened on Monday as Amy Schneider has now become the official queen of Jeopardy. She won her 39th game, becoming the number two player all time on the show's all-time consecutive win list. The 42-year-old Oakland, California-based engineering made, uh, manager, right here in Northern California, by the way. Iconic. We didn't know where Oakland was. Uh, has winnings now that total over $1.3 million. There's only one contestant who's ever won more. Uh, she's at 39 right now. Ken Jennings, obviously, won 74 shows in a row. But he's also been hosting this show the entire time. So he's been standing there front and center watching Amy uh, break all sorts of records. And I just love that, obviously, here at the Morning Beat, her transness means so much to us. Of course. Right? But that's not even the headline anymore. I just love that it now the headline is Amy Schneider makes history as Jeopardy champ. I No longer amazing. are we saying a trans woman won a few episodes. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it takes a while for people to get over things that are just like not really even worth putting the, the highlight on. And of course it is. It's important that we highlight it, but that shouldn't be the thing we lead with. Well, I mean, you wouldn't say like, f- maybe you'd be like, American Idol's lesbian Michaela Gordon putting out an album. Like you wouldn't say that. Right. Like you wouldn't be like very gay. But there would have been a time AJ when you might have said it. 
Yeah, of course. There might have been a time back in the day where they said, black contestant breaks records on... A, totally. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and, and it, but by having the visibility, yes. it's been so great. So you con- know, congrats, Amy. I hope you get to 74, 75, and beyond. Well, and it's also really great that it's Jeopardy. Like, it's simply a show about how intelligent you are. Yep. And she's the smartest. Yes. Like, that's great. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, this story is really cool. In a world of buff, statuesque heroes... Power Bear is bringing body positivity and discussions of mental health to the queer community. I think I dated him in my 20s. Did you? I think Power I Bear? met him I once. Think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Imagine a superhero. <laughs> they may be tall and muscular like uh, muscular like Henry Cavill's Superman or have the shoulder to waist ratio of Chris Evans' Captain oh, yeah. America. Mm-hmm. But a new breed of hero is slowly emerging in pop culture, which is more representative of the beauty and variety of body shapes in the real world. And we are praising Power Bear. I think that we've talked about this so much on the morning show, but um, the expectations of gay men and your bodies play such a high role in mental health because you're expected to have these six packs and be daddies and, and you know, just... Be, I, I don't want to speak for you. No, it's real, but though. it's a lot of pressure. I mean, those white parties, the things mm-hmm. you do to get ready for them. Mm-hmm. And so Power Bear is the new superhero. And he's saying, look, girl, it's all good. Like, you look good. You look good if you're a bear. You look good if you have a little extra skin. You know what? I feel like it's interesting because I feel like still in our culture as gay men, it's either you're like, like slim and toned or ripped or you're a bear. Yeah. I feel like that middle sort of dad bod, I'm rocking it right now. That, that There's not a space for that just yet. And I'm into the dad, uh, like the full on bear. Um, l- looking back, thinking back, I don't think I dated, I don't think I dated Power Bear. I think it was Power Bottom. I think I got it. Oh, confused. okay. Right, yeah, right, right. That I makes messed, sense. I messed that mm-hmm, one up. That's okay. And speaking of Henry Cavill, you did mention him. I did interview him one time. Have I ever told you the story? No. Well, I will just say this. I was so, so, so excited to meet him. And I opened my interview with something about the size of his biceps. And then I just stared at them for a while awkwardly. And he sort of flirted with me and also sort of looked at me like he wanted to murder me. So I was really confused by it. Sometimes that's hot, though. But also a little bit turned on. Yeah. He's gorgeous. Serving American psycho vibes. (laughs) We appreciate it. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening to our show. We had a great day with you. We have a great show for you tomorrow as well. So make sure that you're wearing your masks, washing your hands. Thank you to our producer, Vanessa, and, of course, AJ. Have a great rest of your day.